This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and we have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving, everybody. Gonna have a show the day before Thanksgiving. I have a Wednesday show, but more on that later on. Uh, what a crazy football weekend. I mean, seriously. In college football, all the top four teams, and yes, you are included, Georgia, struggled with significantly inferior opponents. And then the number five ranked team, or at least the formerly ranked number five team, my Tennessee Volunteers, their season, our season is over. And I don't want to talk about it. But my weekend did get a lot better. It got a lot better yesterday. More on that in just a second. But going to discuss that Jets-Patriots. What an eyesore that was. Holy smokes. Listen, it was fitting that the game-winning play in that game was made by the special teams. It really was. And not by either of the two bum quarterbacks that, that we saw on that field in Foxborough, Massachusetts yesterday. I'll talk about them both, but in particular, the losing quarterback, Zach Wilson. I'll discuss him later on the show. Also, why the Philadelphia Eagles, folks, I'm here to tell you right now, they're frauds. They will be one and done immediately in the postseason. If you think I'm crazy on that, just remember a year ago, about this time, week 12, week 13, I said that it would be the same situation with the Green Bay Packers. I saw things on tape I didn't like. Too many close games against inferior teams. They would be one and done. What happened to the Green Bay Packers? More reaction on Philadelphia, skating by the Jeff Saturday-like Colts by a single point and needing a fourth-quarter comeback in order to do so. I'll also discuss... That bad man, Patrick Mahomes. My, my, my. That, ladies and gentlemen, was one of the most impressive wins of Patrick Mahomes' career. I will explain why later in the show. At the end of the show, we got a big game tonight in Mexico City. Beautiful city, by the way. A, I'm sorry, NFC West matchup. San Francisco 49ers. Arizona Cardinals. Huge, like, elimination-type game for the Cardinals. An opportunity, certainly, for the 49ers to make yet another statement as to why they are indeed Super Bowl contenders, if not the leaders in terms of Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. But first, it'd be hard to start the show any other way than to not discuss what happened yesterday in Minneapolis. 
between the Dallas Cowboys and the, at the time, 8-1 and one Minnesota Vikings who were riding a seven-game win streak. Now, for clarification, those of you watching uh, the, the stream, you, you guys may be noticing that I'm wearing a Cowboys jersey. I'll obviously uh, let you know whose jersey that is. Once again, just to clarify, I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan turning that card about two years ago. For reasons that I've explained in previous shows, don't really want to get into it today. But I'll tell you something. You know, there was a lot of talk coming into this game about Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, you know, two quarterbacks that no one really deems superstar worthy, and for good reason. Two quarterbacks that both have only one win in the postseason. Two quarterbacks who have almost identical numbers. So there was a debate last week, you know, with Kirk Cousins playing as well as he has this season. Vikings on a seven-game winning streak, being the number one seed in the NFC, leading the NFC North by a mile over the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, right? It was a debate. But somebody had to step in and remind the world who they are. Say it with me. You know his name. Rain. Dakota. Prescott. And Rain is not spelled... R-A-Y-N-E. Uh-uh. It's spelled R-E-I-G-N. Because he reigned over the Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. Dak Prescott yesterday with the whole NFL world saying, oh, yeah, one analyst said this is a career crossroads for Dak Prescott, as if these two games are going to define his career. But anyways, Dak Prescott against one of the top defenses in the NFL. Against an 8-1 team on the road coming off of a loss to the now 4-7 and seven Green Bay Packers. Dak Prescott, 22 for 25. That's an 88% completion percentage. That's pretty good. Two touchdowns, which should have been three if Dalton Schultz had caught one. No turnovers. A passer rating of 139. You ready for this? QBR. A QBR, for those of you that don't know, it's just like grading a test. It's 0 to 100. 0 to 100. Dak Prescott's QBR was a 93. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Rain Dakota Prescott had to come into U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and make an example of those 8-1, now 8-2, Minnesota Vikings. And he, he said, in the words of the great Hall of Jay-Z, allow me to reintroduce myself. I don't want to ever hear again Who's better? Is it Dak or is it Kirk Cousin? Who's better? <sighs> well, Dak is now 5-1 and one versus Kirk Cousins and has outplayed him in all six games. The one loss was in 2019. Check the numbers. Dak vastly outplayed Kirk on a Sunday night game in Dallas, Texas. Go check that game. Dak Prescott is now 19-24 and 24 versus teams with a winning record. You're like, Bryson, that's, that's five games that are 500. That, that's not that great. Well, take Mahomes, take Brady out of the picture. Just about every good quarterback that we deem good in the NFL has a losing record versus teams with a losing record. Or, I'm sorry, with a winning record. Dak's record, though, is 19-24. You know what Kirk Cousins' record is now? 10-41. and 41. <clears throat> Oh. That is despite, in this game, 
having the superior running back, which Kevin O'Connell, my man, the guy I picked before the season to be coach of the year, the guy who I think has done a remarkable job with the Vikings this season. Why did you get away from Dalvin Cook? He was averaging like five, six yards a carry. And you know Dallas's weakness of their defense. They can't stop the run. Like that's, if there's one thing other than penalties that's going to get the Cowboys beat in the playoffs, it's not being able to stop the run. It's not being able to get off the field. It's these teams putting together these six, seven, eight-minute long drives. That's what Green Bay did very successful last week. That's what the Bears did for a while very successfully in Dallas about three weeks ago. And the Vikings, for whatever reason, despite having a top 10 running back in football, just abandoned him. By the way, Alexander Madison, you guys know I really like him. He's kind of a bruiser type running back. Really good number two back. What did he get, two carries? So the game plan for Minnesota didn't make a whole lot of sense from the beginning. It felt like as if they were trying to make a statement about, you know, it's like as if Kevin O'Connell bought into the, the Kirk Cousins-Dak type showdown and wanted, hey, Kirk, match, match Dak throw for throw, which first of all, he's not capable of doing. And second of all, doesn't help you offensively even if you try. Given what your strength is and given what Dallas's defense's weakness is. For the Cowboys, though, that was one of the bigger statement wins that I've seen this NFL season. You go on the road to Minnesota, 8-1. and 8-1 and one Vikings now. You can sit back and say, and I won't, I, listen, I, I won't necessarily push back on you because you guys know I really liked Minnesota coming into this year, and I still like them. I still think, well, I know they're going to win the NFC North because they've got like a four-game lead in that division. It's over there. I still think they're going to win a playoff game. I really do. I think they're talented enough to do so. But the Minnesota Vikings are 8-2, and two, yet somehow they have a negative point differential. That's because their eight wins are by the skin of their teeth. Or at least seven of their eight wins are by the skin of their teeth. Their losses have been <laughs> beatdowns. Philadelphia, what they did, did, did to them on a Monday night in week two, and what the Cowboys did to them yesterday, 40-2-3. And I have to give props where it's due. Um, Micah Parsons obviously had a rough game last week. I was hard on him. I said, listen, you are a top 10 player in the National Football League. You are arguably the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Up there with, you know, guys like Matthew Judon and, and guys like that who have made a big statement this season. But Micah Parsons is not just in that discussion. He's probably leading that discussion. Had a bad game against the Packers last week. This week, from the get-go, was all over Kirk Cousins. Yes, he had the two sacks. He had the strip sack early, which really kind of set the tone for the game. But after that, 10 pressures. Was constantly in the backfield, making life hard on Kirk Cousins. As great as Micah Parsons was, though, yesterday, and he was great. I mean, he was he was what we expect from Micah Parsons. I don't think he was the best Cowboys defensive player. I really don't. That title, yesterday, belonged to Trayvon Diggs. It did. And Trayvon Diggs, the guy who was really hard on last season. I said, why on earth is a guy with... What is it? How many finished with 11 interceptions, 12 interceptions, which was a Cowboy record for a single season? How does a guy get double-digit picks and yet teams keep throwing at him? Well, it's because he is, I called him Kenny Rogers. He's the gambler, right? It's, it's boom or bust. It's pick six or give up a touchdown the other way. His improvement, and I said this, you check the tape. I said this back in week one, week two. His improvement as a pure cover corner from year two to year three is astronomical. It's incredible. 
And that's there's a reason why quarterbacks have stopped throwing his way. Because he is way more disciplined. He's learned the position more. You gotta remember, he entered Alabama as a wide receiver, just like his brother, you know, superstar receiver Stefan Diggs. Trayvon Diggs was a receiver, but Nick Saban's like, okay, I don't think you're one of the best guys in our team, but or, or, or one of the best receivers on our team, but I want to get you on the field. You're a heck of a playmaker, you're athletic, you're fast, you got good hands. Let's put you at corner. And he's still kind of learning the position. The strides he's made from last year to this year are remarkable. Trayvon Diggs just held maybe the best receiver in the National Football League, a guy you know I have the highest regard for, Justin Jefferson. You know what Justin Jefferson did, did yesterday? He had three catches for 33 yards. That's what Trayvon Diggs did to Justin Jefferson. So defensively, and Micah was Micah. You know, he's a top 10 player in the National Football League. Trayvon Diggs was the best Cowboys defensive player yesterday. He was remarkable. The best unit on the field for both teams was the Cowboys defensive line. Seven sacks on Kirk Cousins. Parsons got two. Uh, D-Law got in the backfield. Uh, what's his name? Dante Fowler got a sack. I think Dorrance Armstrong got a sack. I mean, they were all over him yesterday. But a statement was made, ladies and gentlemen, by Rain Dakota Prescott. 88% completion, nearly 300, two touchdowns, what should have been three to Dalton Schultz, a QBR a 93. Better stop doubting this, man. Better stop doubting this, man. Come back to bite you every single time. Not to mention, I think the Cowboys coaching staff is realizing I think maybe Jerry Jones is realizing Tony Pollard's the number one back. I love you, Zeke. Zeke is, God bless him, he's banged up again. He had a big knee brace on yesterday after missing the last two games. And he had two touchdowns to his credit. And I'm not saying they should take Zeke out of the rotation. He is still a very capable running back in the National Football League, especially down in, in the red zone where you saw he had two touchdowns yesterday afternoon. How, I, I, I ask... How does a guy in Tony Pollard, who's leading the NFL in yards per carry, which that's a big stat, right? But also, you look at Tony Pollard, you're like, what, he's 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, he's fast, but he's he's not a guy who's going to run you over. Well, maybe he's not going to run you over, but he's not afraid of contact. You know how I know that? First in the NFL in yards after contact. In about, I think it was three yards per carry after contact is Tony Pollard that leads the NFL. He is clearly the number one guy in the backfield in Dallas now. With all due respect to Zeke, but just, just as an example, both had 15 carries. The difference is Zeke had averaged 2.8 yards a carry. Tony Pollard averaged 5.3. Like, I don't know what more he needs to show you at this point to prove that he's, he's the number one back in Dallas. And by the way, at this point, incredibly, Dak Prescott may have found his number one receiver. It's also Tony Pollard. Now, there's a shot Odell ends up in Dallas. We know that he's going to meet with the Cowboys after Thanksgiving. It's funny, the, the Thanksgiving showdown between the Cowboys and the Giants, it looks like it's going to be the battle for Odell because of those, those are reportedly the two finalists to go get him. But Odell, honestly, and I still think Odell's capable of being a number one receiver in the NFL. I really do. Dak's finally found a number one guy. It's Tony Pollard. It's not CeeDee Lamb. No, I haven't been that high on CeeDee Lamb this season. Who by which, but I will give credit where credit's due. 
phenomenal catch on the sideline that set up a 60-yard field goal by Brett Maher, who that sequence where he hits the 60-yarder and they go back and review the C.D. Lamb catch after Dallas already called timeout beforehand made no sense to me. And if that was an ever, I know this is a basketball term, but if that this was ever a ball-don't-lie moment, he barely squeaks in the first field goal, which got called back because the refs, for whatever reason, want to review the CD Lamb play way after it happened. And then the second field goal, what does Brett Maher do? Right down Broadway. Ball don't lie. Sometimes it's your day, and it was the Dallas Cowboys day yesterday. John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast. What's up, John? John, he says, I picked Dallas to win. And they were favored a point and a half, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um... I said, how are the Vikings, how do they won seven straight games? Just beat the Buffalo Bills on the road, albeit in miracle fashion. They're at home. I think they have the better offensive personnel than the Cowboys do outside of quarterback. How are the Cowboys favored? Well, yeah, you saw, you saw why yesterday. So the question is where the Cowboys stand in the NFC. That's, that's, that's really what we're asking. Because the NFC, the funny thing about it is, it is a bunch of question marks. You look at the AFC, we know what Kansas City is. I'm about to talk about the Chiefs in the next, next segment. We, we know what the Chiefs are. We, for the most part, know what the Ravens are. We know the Bills are a little inconsistent, but we know when the Bills are at their peak, they are hard to beat. We know what some of the limited teams are, like the Jets, the Patriots. Not quite sure about Miami, but we, we kind of like what they're doing. Cincinnati. We know what Cincinnati is. They just went to the Super Bowl, won another game yesterday at Heinz. I'm sorry, not Heinz Field. It sounds so weird to say. At Akrasher Stadium in Pittsburgh. We, For the most part, we know who the haves and the haves nots are in the AFC. NFC, it is a bunch of question marks. We... Respect Tom Brady in Tampa, but they're 5-5. Five and five. You know, they won their last two, but haven't really blown anybody away this season. Haven't really had a complete game yet. But we're like, it's Tom Brady, so we got to put them in that contending category. Philadelphia, who I'll talk about later in the show. All right, they're 9-1, but God, they're, they're beating these average to below average teams by the skin of their teeth, and they can't stop the run. Like, what do we do with the Eagles? Okay, the 49ers have maybe the best roster of football. Uh, we're not sure about Jimmy Garoppolo, though. Is he is he limited? Is he too limited to get them to the promised land? Okay, teams like the Vikings, who you saw yesterday, they're like, yeah, they're eight and two. They're going to run away with their division, and they have a negative point differential. So it's questions galore, and the questions, without question, Dallas is not beyond those. We know about the meddling owner, how that goes. That's that's a constant in Dallas. That's not ever going away. Mike McCarthy. He seems to, at least better than his predecessor, Jason Garrett, have his team more prepared going into the games in terms of the game plan. But the penalties. The Cowboys had a few penalties yesterday that's like, okay, here, here's, the old, here's the old cycle again. CBS showed a stat during the game yesterday that they are number one in the NFL in penalties dating back to last season. I, feel, I have a bad feeling that's going to rear its ugly head. You have questions about whether or not the defense can stop the run. You have questions. Odell Beckham Jr. is not a cowboy yet, so you can't. Let's not put him in a you know with a star in his helmet quite yet. You have questions about the receiving core. You have you know questions about Kellen Moore. One week has he has an amazing game plan like yesterday. The next he has a, what is he doing game plan like against the Packers? 
lot of questions with the Cowboys. Where do they stack up? To me, today, when I look around the NFC, they're second to the 49ers. And I've been one who has been oh so hesitant. I mean, the most hesitant to consider the Cowboys a Super Bowl contender because I didn't in the offseason. I didn't through the first half of the season. I certainly didn't after the Packers' loss. Today, look at the standings. I think Dallas is better than Philly. They showed unequivocally they're better than Minnesota. That They left no doubt about that. They're better than the Vikings. Seattle, I don't know. I feel like it'd be a tough matchup. It's Pete Carroll versus Mike McCarthy. Who are you going to roll with there? I think I'm, I'm going with Pete. But then it's Dak Prescott versus Geno Smith. And Geno's been great this year, but come on, that's not a debate either. So that'd be a fascinating matchup. Tampa Bay. Thing about Tampa Bay, though, is very limited offensively. They finally showed a pulse in terms of having a running game in Germany against the Seahawks. The Giants, stop. The Niners, who to me are the leaders in the NFC. Absolutely. And then down there, you got your Washingtons and your Atlantas and your Arizonas and your have-nots. Today, I mean, just look at the quarterbacks. And by the way, the team that's over Dallas that I have over Dallas, San Francisco, Dak's absolutely better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, I think most people would agree on that. It's just that the 49ers have maybe the best roster of football and a remarkable head coach. Like that's, that's the thing that has, has the Niners ahead of, of everybody else to me. And also the fact that they have been to a Super Bowl. Just last year, they did go to the NFC Championship game and for the record, hold a 10-point lead. So history, along with what they showed on the field this season, tell me the Niners are the, are the leaders in the clubhouse in the NFC. But are you telling me that there's anybody, and I never thought I'd be saying this before the season, but there's anybody unequivocally that's better than Dallas right now? Philly? They were in a dogfight with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys had Cooper Rush at quarterback. What's going to happen on Christmas Eve when Dak's at the helm? Knock on what he's healthy at that point. It's a fair question. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., I'll even podcast. Number one Dak hater on the planet, as I know him. He says, don't talk about my Cowboys. No. Listen, I give credit where credit's due. They were phenomenal yesterday on uh, in all three phases. I mean, Brett Maher has turned into... Dare I say the new Sebastian Janikowski just with a, a right leg instead of a left one. I mean, my goodness. He's never missed beyond 60 in his career. Think about that. What is he? Is he four for four? I think they show the stat. He's like four for four on kicks beyond 60. That That's crazy. But uh, it's kind of the running joke I always had about Brett Maher back in 2018-19. I said, man, he is automatic. He's Justin Tucker from 60 or beyond with the long ones, the 55-yard plus. But the 33-yarders or the 41-yarders, nah. Nah, he tends to shank those. This year, to his credit, he's been great for the Dallas Cowboys. Give credit where it's due. Out in the NFC, it's Niners at the top. I'm putting the Cowboys right behind him. As of today, although things can change tomorrow. Things could change just as soon as 72 hours from now when the Cowboys play the New York Giants on Thanksgiving Day. What a matchup that'll be, right? Battle between two teams that really, really want Odell Beckham Jr. That'll be very fascinating. Moving on now. What I was talking about, there's a lot of question marks in the NFC. There is absolutely zero question marks about this man that I'm about to discuss. Patrick Mahomes. 
did it again, y'all. He's made he makes it look routine. Um, you know, he's one of those athletes that you run out of adjectives to describe him, in all honesty. Uh, we know about the undeniable talent in terms of arm, accuracy, leadership, mobility. I mean, I've always said this for the last two, three years. He's everything that you possibly could want in a franchise quarterback. There's plenty of talented guys out there that really don't have the intangibles that you want. And there's plenty of guys with the intangibles who don't have near the talent of other guys in this league. He's got them both. Not to mention, he has one of the best offensive coaches of all time. And one of the best tight ends of all time with him. But last night was one of the most impressive wins that I've seen from Patrick Mahomes. And I'll explain why. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is missing Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster. And he throws for 329 yards, three touchdowns, and leads yet another game-winning drive. And I get it for you Mahomes doubters out there, however many out there you, there may be, which, how you doubt this guy, I don't really know what you're watching, to be totally honest with you. Yes, he did have a running game. And props to Andy Reid for committing to the run. Andy Reid is not somebody, outside of the years that he had Shady McCoy in Philadelphia, he's not one who's known to do that at all. But Isaiah Pacheco, who, by the way, made a, a boneheaded mistake uh, on the kickoff in that first half. I don't know what he's doing. But Pacheco ran the ball well. They spread it around. Uh, Mahomes ran around a little bit. But he's facing another, I believe, elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. Yeah, you guys know I love Justin Herbert when he was drafted out of Oregon. I said he'd be, he'd be the best quarterback out of the 2020 class. Now, at this point, it's kind of a, it's, it really is kind of a toss-up between him and Burrow, and Tua is at least knocking on the door of that discussion. He's not there yet because he wasn't very good his first two years. Herbert and Burrow were. And by the way, Burrow's been to the Super Bowl for, for you know, whatever that's worth. But Herbert was remarkable yesterday, going up and down the field. And like I, I tweeted after that first throw down the field to my man from Tennessee, Josh Palmer, I tweeted immediately, and I've, I've said this on the show before, Justin Herbert has to have the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. It is, it is beautiful to watch. Just the arm angle, I mean, it looks just so effortless how he you know, flings it 50, 60 yards down the field right into the receiver's hands. It's, it's perfect. And again, what he did last night was, was fantastic. By the way, facing a pretty, pretty fierce pass rush. But listen, when the Chargers scored, how much time was left in the game? Okay, when the Chargers scored with uh, a minute 46 left in the game, if you are a Chargers fan, I know there's not the Chargers fans are like Clippers fans. There's not very many. That might as well have been Arrowhead Stadium last night in SoFi. The Chargers are the only team in the NFL that don't have a home game. I, I it's sad. I feel bad for them. All the other fans are still in San Diego. But if you are a Chargers fan, you call yourself a Chargers fan. If you are telling me, you look me right in my eye, and you told me when we scored that touchdown, I knew we were going to win the game. I'd say, bull, you know what? You did not think you were going to win that football game because we know what Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, think about this. In his career as a starter with the Kansas City Chiefs, 
these these stats don't even sound real. He's lost a grand total of three division games. And incredibly, none of them came on the road. So that means that Patrick Mahomes has never lost a division game on the road. He also, this one's even crazier, has never lost a game in the month of November or December. So that tells you when the moment calls for it, when you need him to play great, he does. You always talk, the great Tom Landry years ago talked about when you want to make a run of a Super Bowl, you got a streak. He called it, you got a streak in late around Thanksgiving into, excuse me, into December. You got a streak. You got to put together a few straight wins in a row. That's what Patrick Mahomes consistently does every single year. He has never lost a game in November or December. I think the number is like 25-0. and 0. Again, I've run out of adjectives to describe that guy. Now, some of it is boneheaded coaching, again, on the part of Brandon Staley. Now, Brandon Staley seems like a really nice guy. I, I don't want to be... I don't want to be too brutal on him because, again, I think he do think he's a good guy. And I think he's a good defensive coach in terms of being a defensive coordinator. However, when you've got a situation where in the second half you got a fourth and inches just short of midfield, if you're playing Jacoby Brissett or Kenny Pickett, okay, I guess I get punting. This is Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. Folks, this is the best quarterback in the NFL you're facing. You got big 6'6 Justin Herbert. Run a quarterback sneak. You got Austin Eckler, who's a physical running back. Hand it to him right straight up the gut. Or if you got a creative play call, if you got like a nice little bootleg to get like a tight end wide open for a 15-yard game, run that. But you punt it. So again, I said coming in this game, I, I took the Chargers to win this game because simply because there is no excuse for them to lose this. Kansas City's beat up on defense. They are very beat up on offense. You're at home, although it's not really much of a home because the road fans always invade SoFi Stadium when the Chargers are playing there, even when the Rams are playing there, especially this year if the Rams stink. But you're healthy. You you don't have the superior quarterback, but you have a darn good one. You should win that game. They didn't. Simply because Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Uh, and by the way, Barry Grant Jr. accurately points out in the comments, he says, don't forget Tony, Kadarius, Kadarius Tony, that the Chiefs were missing. So that's three of Patrick Mahomes' top four targets gone from injury. And I get Travis Kelsey is great, and he he is slowly but surely making a case to be the greatest tight end of all time. When you stack his numbers against the likes of Gonzalez, Gronk, Shannon Sharp, um, uh, what's like Antonio Gates, you tell me. By the time his career's over, Travis Kelsey might be the greatest tight end of all time. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard, and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com/leaders.
but he's one guy. And Mahomes spread the wealth around. He was efficient. He was accurate. What a performance. I can't, I can't say enough about this guy. And the fact that, listen, I didn't, I obviously stupidly picked the Broncos to win this division, but I did have the Chiefs winning, I think, 11 or 12 games, something like that, and getting to the playoffs. The fact that people wrote them off saying that they're a little, it's not a dynasty because they only won one championship, but their little sort of uh, run of competing for Super Bowls year in and year out was over. And go read articles from the summer, folks. A lot of people said it. A lot of people in the media deemed not Mahomes done, but the next few years, he's not going to be competing for eight championships because he lost Tyreek Hill. They lost in, 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 I'd go so far as to say choking fashion to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game at home. And they wrote him off. They wrote Andy Reid off. And to use Geno Smith's words, they ain't right back. If you've got that guy and that coach, you can true you have you can win every single game you play. You're not going to, obviously. It's the NFL. These are professionals. The Chiefs have lost two games this year. But you can. Win every single game you play if you have that guy and that coach. Remarkable. That, that duo, what they put on every single Sunday is truly incredible to watch. And today, I don't know how you can make an argument to say somebody else outside of the Kansas City Chiefs is the front runner to get out of the, to get out of the AFC. You can put up Buffalo, although they haven't been all that impressive. Josh Allen is... Ice cold right now, and not in a good way. You can make an argument for Baltimore. You guys know I really like Baltimore. Uh, and they had a kind of an ugly win against the Carolina Panthers. But hey, listen, it's a, win, a win's a win. It's the NFL. You, you take anything you can get as long as it comes in the win column. Good chance that the whole AFC for the fifth straight year is going to have to go through Arrowhead. You name me one team that's going to go to that venue against that coach and against that quarterback and against that tight end as well, and against that defensive line, and outplay them for 60 minutes. I mean, if you think about the Chiefs and their only two home playoff losses, because if you, th you know, think about that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, they were outclassed in every fashion of the game. Brady outplayed Mahomes. Offensive line for the Bucs outplayed the offensive line for the Chiefs. Running game for the Bucs was better. Defense was way better. Just about everything, uh, you know, everybody that put on a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform was better than everybody put on a Kansas City Chiefs uniform in that Super Bowl. However, if you look at their two home playoff losses at Arrowhead Stadium, it took the GOAT doing GOAT things in the 2018 AFC Championship game, leading... What we thought was a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter, only to have Mahomes go right down the field and tie it up to send it to overtime, and Brady converting famously three straight third and longs to ultimately lead the game-winning drive to get the Patriots to the Super Bowl, which they ended up winning. It took that to beat Kansas City, and then a year ago, with all due respect to the Cincinnati Bengals and to Joe Burrow and everybody, that game, and I said it at the time, that game was more about what Kansas City did not do than what the Bengals did do. This team doesn't beat themselves very often. If they do, you better take advantage of it. Good chance that's not going to be the case, especially since it looks like they're going to the AFC West. That's a, that's a done deal. But it looks like they're probably going to end up being the number one seed in the AFC. Miami's not catching them. 
Uh, Tennessee could, but even if that were the case, I mean, who, who are you taking? Vegas, I guarantee you, Vegas will favor Kansas City should that matchup come to fruition. Say it's the AFC Championship game in Nashville, they will favor Kansas City over Tennessee, without a doubt. But what a win by the Chiefs. Um, but moving on now to, uh, to this one. Oh, this was this 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 was a I think the NFL should give like Sunday ticket for free to all NFL fans who watch this game between the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. Of course, the Patriots won by a final score of 10 to 3. It took a long punt return for a touchdown with 9 seconds left to break the pathetic tie and win it for New England. Both quarterbacks, as I predicted, were simply awful. Mac Jones stunk. His numbers aren't going to, uh, you know, his completion percentage is good, yards is fine, but he had a QBR of uh, 20. Ugh, that's not good. But as bad as Mac Jones was, and he was bad, really bad. Zach Wilson was downright trash. You wait till I read you the stat line. And if you didn't watch the game, count yourself lucky. Zach Wilson, 9 for 22, 77 yards, a pass rating of 50, and a QBR of 24. For context, let me pull this stat up because it, it, is, it really puts in perspective how bad the Jets were offensively. In the second half against the New England Patriots, the New York Jets averaged 2.7, not yards, which that in itself would be kind of pathetic. 2.7 yards, like, eh, that's not very good. The New York Jets averaged 2.7 inches of offense per play during the second half of their loss to the New England Patriots. So basically, uh, like, that much. That's on Zach Wilson. Now, if you ask Zach Wilson, he would say otherwise. Take a listen. The, as an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. Hmm. That's interesting. It's funny because uh, some of his teammates after the game were highly critical of themselves. Garrett Wilson was highly critical of himself after the Jets' loss. There was a play where Denzel Mims, the highly criticized receiver for the New York Jets, you know, he wants a trade and all that. There's a lot of controversy involving him. There's a play. He runs a simple post right side of the field, and Zach Wilson doesn't even look his direction. Like This is like Baker Mayfield stuff, and the podium is really Baker Mayfield stuff. You know, it's like what I said about Russell Wilson on Friday when the report came out about the whole audible situation with, with Denver. By the way, the Let's Ride Broncos lost yet again. But it's it's like I said, if if you're limited in terms of talent, you better make up for it in leadership and intangibles. Conversely, if you are a a bad leader and you don't galvanize the rock locker room, you better be talented. Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, for a while, Jay Cutler, you better be talented. Because if you're both, if you stink. And you're a bad leader, that locker room's gonna hate you. And that's what Zach Wilson is. That locker room does not like Zach Wilson. 
You know, I know this one of the players, uh, I think it was a defensive, it was like a, a, a linebacker, I think, liked a tweet criticizing Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's own coach. This is according to a tweet by Adam Schefter, Robert Sala, who, by the way, has done a remarkable job this year with the New York Jets. Nobody could have seen them even getting to this point and have being in position to make the playoffs. Jets head coach, this is from Adam Schefter, Jets head coach Robert Sala told reporters that he's not committing to Zach Wilson as his starting quarterback for Sunday's game versus the Chicago Bears. Oh, how the tides have a turned. You know, folks, in life, when you don't take accountability, people often turn their back on you. Remember when Josh Allen, after, I think after they lost to the Jets, yeah, and Zach Wilson, by the way, to his credit, played well in that game. He actually outplayed Josh Allen. But Josh Allen played bad. You know what he said? He said, it's hard to be successful when I'm playing, and there's some choice words in there, bad. When a quarterback plays bad, it's kind of refreshing for them to sit back. Because, listen, the rules are very favorable, we'll put it that way, for NFL quarterbacks in terms of how you can and cannot hit them. In terms of the rules how offenses are favored in terms of how the refs call the game and how the NFL rules are fashioned. In terms of the new systems, sort of the more college-like offenses, the spread offenses that have come into play, everything, listen, football has never been more beneficial to quarterbacks in the history of football than it is right now. That's There's no question about that. It wouldn't hurt when you play bad just to take a smidgen of accountability. And you know what also shows from Zach Wilson? And this always comes back to bite certain quarterbacks who fail in the NFL. It shows an incredible lack of self-awareness. Bro, you just scored three points. You threw for 77 yards. The Jets in the second half had negative 21 passing yards. Your defense could not have played better. Gave up a field goal. And you're like, nah, it's not, it's not, I don't hold any responsibility for this. Listen, trust me, locker rooms want guys who are ride or die. You know why Tim Tebow lasted as long as he lasts in Denver? Lord knows. The good Lord that Tim and I both pray to knows it was not because of talent. <laughs> it was not because of talent. That Tim Tebow might have been the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. Those guys loved him, bought into him. His leadership was authentic. He was constantly uh, holding himself accountable, holding other guys accountable. That's That's how it goes in the NFL. That might be worse than any soundbite that I've heard from Baker. You guys know I do. Baker press conferences drive me nuts. That was worse. In a huge win. I'm sorry, huge game. You know, I, I, I said that I have the joke all the time. I have a saying about New York Jets quarterbacks. It's the Jets are the place where young quarterback dreams go to die. And there's a long list of names to, to prove that. This isn't a situation where a talented young quarterback doesn't have the right pieces around him. Because he does. Is the receiving core maybe a little limited? Yeah, sure. 
Are there certain holes in the team that could be filled? Absolutely. I mean, it's listen, there's a reason we're surprised the Jets have won six games. There's a reason for that. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. But they've given him every opportunity to succeed. Your your defense gave up a field goal. And you can't win that game. And you have the audacity to say that it's not your fault. Zach Wilson is one of those quarterbacks who was told how great he was in high school and college and has gotten kind of hit across the face with reality in the NFL and is having to face the harsh reality. When you win, oh, you get all the praise. You're the quarterback. You're the face of the franchise. In most cases, the quarterbacks are the best-looking guy on the team. You get all the praise, all the money, all the everything. Oh, but when you lose, the arrows are coming your way. And you better be prepared for it, especially in that market, in New York City. He can't handle it. Took two years, nearly two years now. What has he shown you? What has he shown you? He makes the hard throws look easy. Oh, but he makes the easy throws look hard. And folks, most coaches who have half a brain don't design offenses to where quarterbacks have to make impossible throws. If that were the case, Zach Wilson may be more successful, but that's not the reality of football. Simple reads. Hitting Denzel Mims wide open for what would have been, in all likelihood, the game-winning touchdown. This guy's clearly, clearly not a franchise quarterback. And people I've heard, even my man, and I love him, that my guy, I, I listen. I would not. He's part of the reason I'm at the grid. Mike Guido, I love Mike Guido, but I saw him on Twitter making Josh Allen comparisons. I'm like, no, 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 no. Josh Allen was bad his rookie year. You guys heard me say that a lot. He had a 52 percent completion percentage. That's terrible. But year two, he certainly was not the Josh Allen he is today. In year two, oh, but you saw flashes. You saw him have big games against the Cowboys or a really good Broncos defense. He was pretty good in that postseason game against the Houston Texans. You saw those flash. I haven't seen anything from Zach Wilson in year two. Defense gives you three points. I'm sorry, defense gives up three points, and you can't win that football game. That's on you, Zach. It shows a lack of accountability and an unbelievable Lack of self-awareness. It's everything I didn't like about the kid coming out of BYU. I said I saw him. The, the only game I saw him in person play, he's actually played my Vols at Neyland Stadium. And BYU won that game. Nothing about Zach Wilson blew me away. Matter of fact, he had, you look at his numbers, he had kind of a pretty off game in Knoxville. Every good team he played in college, he struggled against. There's something to that. Not to mention, he showed questionable leadership traits at BYU. I always look at those little things. So did Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. So did 
definitely. Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. To a certain degree, a guy I actually kind of like, Jameis Winston at Florida State. It's those little things that you can't teach that separates, you know, Kirk Cousins, who's not even close to as talented as Zach Wilson from Zach Wilson. That's how it goes. You win, you get all the credit. You lose, you don't get the blame. And yeah, like, yeah, Barry in the comments here, they solid at naming the starter for next week. It's, I have a feeling it's Joe Flacco time. I have a feeling that that statement probably made Robert Sala's decision. To be totally honest with you. Would he have considered it had Zach not had that disastrous press conference? Probably, given how bad he was. But after the press conference, oh, he's done. He's not starting next week against the Chicago Bears. You pull that Jets locker room. Who who do you think they want starting? I mean, is, is Joe again somebody else too? Is is Joe Flacco not the very definition of a washed quarterback? Better than Zach today. I'd go with him, but what do I know? It's good to know though. Like I tweeted, it's good. I, I'm sure Jets fans today feel really good about the fact that their coach watched the same game they did. Because for years past, that was not the case. Jets, you've got the coach. You definitely have some stars on that defense. Sauce Gardner, Quentin Williams, C.J. Mosley's had a good year. Like, you know, a lot of the issues with the Jets last few years in terms of their young players has not been, oh, they've been bust. It's like they haven't stayed healthy. Like they've gotten just terrible injury luck. Now they have, and you see how talented these guys are. Joe Douglas, the GM, has done a great job. But as I always say, it is a quarterback's league, and if you do not have that guy under center, that ceiling for how far you can go is like a brick. It is rock solid. You can't go through it. There's only so far you can go with a limited quarterback. And there's definitely only so far you can go with a bad quarterback. And Zach Wilson today is not one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, you, you tell me. Look at Zach Wilson's number this, this year, and you tell me he's a starting quarterback in the National Football League, okay? Zach Wilson. Uh, where is it? Okay, here we go. Zach Wilson. 31st in yards. 32nd in picks. I'm sorry, 32nd in touchdowns. 11th in picks. 23rd in QBR. I don't know. You tell me. He's a bad decision maker on the field and off the field. Yeah, I man, you guys know it is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports is quarterbacks with zero leadership qualities, with no intangibles. I can get behind a guy like someone I'm about to talk about, Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying Jalen isn't talented. Like he's he's incredibly talented and has had a remarkable year. But part of what makes Jalen great is his leadership. Those guys fight their tails off. For Jalen Hurts. And there's so many quarterbacks around the NFL that I could give that uh, example to. Speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles. After I talk about Philly, I'll give you my college football playoff going into week 13. And uh, uh, react to other games around the NFL. And then at the end of the show, I'll predict Niners Cardinals from beautiful Mexico City. By the way, the World Cup started yesterday in Qatar. U.S. 
finished it with a draw with with Wales today. So hopefully we can bounce back. But with with the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I'm telling you, I I I foreshad there's some foreshadowing on the show two and a half weeks ago when they beat the Houston Texans. I said it's a you know listen a win's a win you take just like yesterday with the Eagles a win is a win. But I have a right to be concerned when you give up 168 yards rushing to Houston. Now, Damian Pierce is a great young running back. He's a stud talent. But you are the far superior team. Houston still has won a single game. Worst record in football. C.J. Stroud, here we come, right? Houston's bad. They ran all over Philly. Washington looks pretty good. They got a winning record now with my man Taylor Heineke. They ran the ball all over Philly. And then yesterday, against the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor struggled at times against the run. And so, when you are facing an Indianapolis Colts team, who at the time is 4-5-1, and one, their interim coach, with all due respect to Jeff Saturday, has never coached in college, nor the National Football League. Matt Ryan, again, we talked about Wash quarterbacks, uh, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, put Matt Ryan in that category. He washed. There's a reason everybody was so shocked at how well he played against the Raiders last week. Because we don't expect that from Matt Ryan at this stage in his career. And it took a fourth quarter comeback for Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Indianapolis Colts. Folks, last year around this time, it was like week 13, 14, around that time of the year, Early, late November, early December. I said, the Packers aren't winning a playoff game. What? It's the MVP, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They got Jair Alexander on defense and Rasul Douglas. Look out. He's, he might be the comeback play of the year. Matt LaFleur is this genius offensive coach. It's okay. All right. Can't stop the run. What are they going to do when they face a Dallas, a Philadelphia, a Tampa? What are they going to do? The Rams. Well, they drew the 49ers and they got beat because I couldn't stop the run. And obviously Aaron was bad and there was some questionable coaching decisions and the special teams was awful. But for all the reasons that I predicted the Packers to fail to reach the NFC Championship game despite getting a first-round bye, despite the NFC going through Lambeau Field, all the reasons I thought they'd, they'd fail, they were the reasons they failed. Same reason for Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, I will give him one. I will give him this. He's shown an ability over the last two games to be able to play from behind. Like, that's a big concern we had about him. I said the two quarterbacks we had that big question mark about was him and Daniel Jones. So far, Daniel Jones, no mas. He's been bad late in games in the fourth quarter, trailing. Jalen Hurts, listen, didn't play his best game against Washington last week. But are we going to sit up here and say that he's the biggest reason they lost the game? One could argue, an Eagles fan could argue, a Jalen Hurts fan could argue, he was put him in position, and they fumbled to end the game against Washington. This week, though, against a high, much, much, much inferior Colts team. With Jeff Saturday at head coach and Matt Ryan at quarterback, they needed a fourth-quarter comeback to win. And if it's not for Jalen Hurts' arms and leg, arm and legs, they lose. Nick Sirianni, you know, you know who Nick Sirianni is. 
the Jimmy Garoppolo of head coaches in the NFL. He is a part of a really good, really successful class project. He didn't do anything. What I, I asked this question, and I've asked it before about Mike McCarthy. What does Nick Sirianni do? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Doesn't call offensive plays. Doesn't call defensive plays. Doesn't run the special teams. What does he do? Asking for a friend. Eagles fans. Eagles Nation. You, you tell me. What, what's, what's your co- head coach do? And he's out there after the game. I've never seen a head coach do this. After the game, after the Eagles survive by a point, after being seven-point road favorites, by the way, against the Indianapolis Colts, what does Nick Sirianni do? Sprints to the bench, his own bench to the Philadelphia Eagles, gets up, and is, yeah, pumping his fist at Colts fans, cussing them out, or, yeah, cussing them out. Like, bro, first of all, this is not an impressive win. This is not one to pump your chest about. You beat the Colts. You didn't beat the Chiefs. And he's out there pumping his chest like he did something. I ask, Nick Sirianni, what does he do? These Eagles are last year's Packers. Still a good chance they'll get that number one seed, although I don't think they will. I think they'll lose three games the rest of the way. They'll split with the Giants, they'll lose to the Cowboys, and they'll lose to the Titans. Those are the last three losses. But even if they do get that number one seed, make no mistake about it, when you look at the playoff teams in the NFC, all of them can run the football. At least we think Tampa can now that they had that good game against Seattle. Okay? Vikings can run the football. Again, I don't know why they abandoned it yesterday against the Cowboys, but Vikings can run the football with Dalvin Cook. Seahawks can run it with uh, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Walker. The Buccaneers can run it with Leonard Fournette, who's historically been good in the playoffs. The Cowboys can run it with Tony Pollard. The Giants can run it with Saquon Barkley. And the Niners can run it with Christian McCaffrey. What are they going to do? When these teams are eating up clock, we know Philadelphia is not a big play offense. What are they going to do when they're trailing by double digits against good teams? I have a lot of questions about this Eagles team. Not the roster. Roster stacked. Most of my questions about Jalen Hurts have been answered for the most part. I still have some doubts about him. But all in all, he has proven to bare minimum be a franchise quarterback. Which I didn't think he would be. But he is. This team is not winning a playoff game. By the way, a fun fact. For Eagles fans out there, and for, again, for the record, not a Cowboys fan here, Dak fan. But this silly, cute, adorable notion that somehow Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I gave some numbers on Thursday, I think it was, that totally disproved that. I'll give you another one today. Jalen Hurts led a fourth quarter comeback to win the game against the Colts. 
It's his first one of his career. Took him 40 games to do that. 40 games to have a fourth quarter game-winning drive. Took him 40 games. You know how many games it took Dak Prescott to do just that? <laughs> two. Took him two games. Ironically, against Kirk Cousins. It actually happened against Kirk when he was in Washington. Took him two games. But I don't know. What do I know? What do I know? A uh, couple quick topics before we get to my prediction for uh, Niners Cardinals. First, let's go through some of the games that I did not talk about. I haven't done a segment on. Uh, Bears-Falcons, big story coming from that game is Justin Fields being injured. Uh, I'm curious what the Bears are going to do regarding him. I think at this point, the Bears know they have their guy at quarterback. I think they have their guy at head coach for the most part, although his his forte is defense, and they have struggled on that side of the football. But be that as it may, you know, a loss for the Bears. They're out of the postseason contention. How slowly are they going to bring Justin Fields back? As for Fields individually, I'd like to see him put on a little more muscle in the offseason because he is taking a lot of hits out there. Way more hits than you want to see, especially a young quarterback out there taking. You don't want those to pile up and you turn into Andrew Luck and be you know one of the you know biggest what could have been stories in the NFL. But good win by the Falcons, although bad news on the Atlanta front. Kyle Pitts reportedly tore his MCL and is done for the season. Big loss that Falcons offense. Uh, but props to Marcus Mariota. He played pretty well. Had a pass rating over a hundred. Um, you know, Cordell Patterson did his thing again. But good win for the Falcons. They keep themselves themselves alive in the playoff hunt in the NFC. Uh, that was my upset of the week was Browns over Bills, and it was looking that way for a while. But then the Cleveland Browns did Cleveland Browns things. They they disappeared. Jacoby Brissett played pretty well. Threw for over 300. Had a good pass rating QBR. But Josh Allen played a little bit better. Uh, the Bills got some things going offensively. Uh, There's a, there a turning point in the second quarter. I forgot what it was. I think it was a uh, block punt or a fumble. I'm trying. It's, I'm blanking what it was. But big, big win for the Bills, especially coming off those last two losses. Uh, Rams losing to the Saints. The Rams season is now officially over. They're 3-7. and seven. Uh, They're without a question done in terms of playoff contention. Matt Stafford, unfortunately, was concussed yet again. Uh, for the second time in two weeks, so we wish him the very, very best. I'd be extremely cautious if I'm Sean McVay and the Rams in bringing him back. Andy Dalton, who's had some pretty rough starts this season for the Saints. Hey, he saved his best game of the year. 21 of 25, 263 tutties, QBR 84, and the best passer rating in football over the weekend belonged to the Red Rifle. He won the Red Rider BB gun, as J.J. Watt once called him years ago. He was a red rifle last uh, yesterday in New Orleans, 149 pass rings. So props to Andy Dalton, good win for the Saints. Keep themselves alive in the playoff hunt. Lions, listen, the final score is very deceiving. It's 30, 31 to 18. It won that close. Jamal Williams had three touchdowns. Jared Goff played fairly, fairly well. That's now two straight wins for Dan Campbell on the road. Uh, I, I got to play the, the soundbite again because it is one of my all-time favorites. For Dan Campbell, the Lions getting their second straight road win and the second win total on the road of Dan Campbell's coaching career. Kneecap. 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 Everybody got a kneecap in the Meadowlands. Big loss for the Giants. Daniel Jones was really bad after that first quarter touchdown. They, the Lions, for the most part, held Saquon Barkley in check. Now they turn to, to go to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Big, big... Uh, lost for the Giants in a big game on Thursday afternoon uh, in Arlington. Panthers uh, lost the Ravens 13-3 to in a game that I brought up earlier. Uh, in fairness to Baltimore, 
driving winds. It's you know really tough football weather. Lamar Jackson didn't blow anybody away, and that's my guy, but didn't blow anybody away. He had a QBR of 24. Uh, he did have a rushing touchdown that pretty much put the game out of reach. Baker Mayfield, once again, was simply awful, but then again, that's what he is. Uh, the Commanders beat the Texans. The Washington Commanders, ladies and gentlemen, have a 6-5 and five record. I can't hate, and I definitely can't hate on my man Taylor Heineke. Now, is he a franchise quarterback? Absolutely not. Not even 100% sure he's a starter, in all honesty. But they asked Ron Rivera after the game, why, because Jay Glazer reported yesterday on the Fox NFL kickoff show that Taylor Heineke would be the starter the rest of the way. And so put that in the win column right here on Carving It Up, ladies and gentlemen. I said, when Wentz went down, I said he's not getting his starting job back. The locker room buys into Heineke more. He's more efficient. He is certainly not more talented, but he's a much better decision maker, plays better within the offense. And sure enough, and by the way, they like him more in the locker room. They went with Taylor Heineke, and he won again. And they, But they asked Ron Rivera after the game in the press conference, what separates Heineke from Wentz? Why did you go with Heineke over Wentz for the starting job? He used one word. Winning. I don't believe in the he's a winner thing. I never have. They, you know, you hear that a lot about Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson quarterbacks. He's a winner. I don't give a crap about winning in college. Patrick Mahomes had a losing record in college. That means absolutely nothing to me. I got. I got to see. Okay, are you are you just a part of the class project, or are you leading the class project, so to speak? Okay, Heineke isn't leading it. But he's not going along for the ride. He's playing his part. His his connection with Terry McLaurin is really good. Washington ran the ball again, 150 yards. They they again they committed to it. Davis Mills had a rough game throwing two interceptions, but the Washington Commanders, should the 49ers lose tonight, will be in the playoffs as of right now. Can't hate. They're doing a good job over there. Ra Man, what a game this was. Raiders beat the Broncos 22 to 16 in overtime. The Let's Ride Broncos fall to 3-7. and seven. Raiders improved to 3-7. and seven. I cannot begin to tell you how happy I was for Derek Carr in that game. We all saw the postgame last week when they lost to the Colts, and Derek Carr was so emotional at the game. He was crying, talking about, man, I put, I put too much into this game to have people around me who don't care about the game and for us to have the outcome like this. And he's emotional. And, and I kind of went on a rant on Monday saying that the Raiders have failed this man. All the coordinators and the head coaches and the busts in the draft. You failed Derek Carr if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. Man, you're down three in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr leads them right down the field. They kick the tying field goal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it only took three plays in overtime, but he hit his man, Devontae Adams, for a 35-yard score to win the game. Uh, the Denver Broncos. I want to give you a stat about the Broncos. And I think I listen. I, I got the right to to make fun of Denver a little bit because because I it, by doing that I'm making fun of myself because I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I got to pull this up. This is from a guy who I tend to strongly disagree with on national television, Nick Wright, who I've called Nick Ron because he hates my Warriors and more often than not, way more often than not, is wrong about my Warriors. But he's spot on about this. Let me pull it up. Okay, he tweeted about the about Denver. Is it here? Okay. 
He said, and this is crazy. If the Broncos scored 18 points in regulation every single game they played this year, if they just scored 18 points, you know what their record would be? The best in football, tied with the Philadelphia Eagles, 9-1. Think about that. That's how good the Broncos' defense has been and how atrocious the Broncos' offense has been. Like I said, it's 50-50, Hackett, Russ. Because both have been trash this season. So, I mean, that, that is, that's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. Uh, John Rivera, uh, what's, what's that? He's got the, the emoji, the, the emoji where it's got the, the bandage on the head. What's that, what's that about? Is that some, did I mention somebody getting hurt? Carson Wentz, somebody? I don't know. I want uh, any clarification for the emoji, John, because I'm curious. I'm curious what that's about. But listen, it's good one for the Raiders, obviously. Uh, Derek Carr did his thing again. Derek, I always say there's three quarterbacks in the NFL that I will fight for like crazy on the show. The three, to me, most over-criticized quarterbacks in football. One is obviously Dak Prescott. Two, Lamar Jackson. And three, Derek Carr. Those are my guys that I will defend any day of the week. Oh, John, John was talking about his Jets. Yeah, Matt, listen, I'm sorry, genuinely, that you have number two at quarterback, John, John. I really do. But, listen, I, I, I literally just finished talking about Derek Carr. He could be available in the trade market. How about Derek Carr to the New York Jets? Okay, he's a clear upgrade over Zach Wilson. Get Derek Carr. Maybe you bring in a, a decent offensive coach to go with him. He'd have the running game. Brees Hall coming back next year. You got. You definitely have the defense. Robert Sala has proven himself to be a really good NFL head coach. Bring in some more weapons in the draft. Listen, that's a, that's that's a good fit. That's a good fit. Derek Carr of the New York Jets. I'd love it. I, I'd be all for it on this show. Absolutely. Should he go there? They got a shot to not only make the playoffs, but dare I say to win the division. If we're being honest, but good win for the Raiders. And then finally, Bengals beat the Steelers 37 to 30. Again, the score wasn't quite as close as, as, as it might indicate. Uh, Pittsburgh had a couple of good drives. Najee Harris played well. Kenny Pickett had his moments, but all in all, Joe Burrow was, phenom- Joe Burrow was phenomenal. He had the interception uh, to TJ Watt, which TJ Watt's now picked off Joe Burrow twice this year, and TJ was amazing again. But Joe Burrow, 355, four touchdowns. Again, I mentioned the two interceptions. QBR 50, but Pass ring of 104. So Joe Joe was great against one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Uh, props to him. Props to the uh, the Bengals for moving to six and four and, and keeping pace with the Ravens for that for that battle in the AFC North. Real quick before I get to my college or sorry to my NFL predictions tonight, 49ers Cardinals. I think it is worth mentioning that I do have my college football playoff. Have I saved it? Hang on. Let me let me pull up my college football playoff. Uh, uh, rankings, because obviously I, I don't really want to talk about it. My my Tennessee Volunteers are done. done. We gave up, I can't believe I'm saying this, 63 points to the South Carolina Gamecocks. I am, the only good thing that came out of that game for me was that I did not bet my man, big support of the show, and a good friend of mine, more importantly, Grady Edwards. Grady is a Big-time South Carolina fan. 
and we we talked for about an hour after the game. And man, I am if I had bet that guy, it would have been two straight weeks. I'd have been humiliated on the show because I had to wear. I'm looking at it right now. I see it across the room where I'm at. I had to wear that stupid cheese head all week because I lost the bet to my sister, sister who's a Packers fan. And then what would have I had to do? Because I don't have a, obviously I don't have a Gamecocks jersey. So what would I've had to do if if Grady had beat me? So that's uh, yeah, really saved my bacon there big time. Uh, for some reason, okay, hold on. Okay, I think I've got it right here. For, okay, here it is. My my college football playoff week thirteen, uh, top six. All right, here we go. Let me go and put a, this up there. So one through four stays stays the same. Again, all four struggled in their own way against. Highly inferior opponents. Again, Georgia only scored 16 on Kentucky. Now, they only held the, 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 the Wildcats to six because they have the best defense in the country, bar none. And, and at this point, when we talk about tiers in college football, put myself back on the screen for a minute. When we talk about tiers in college football today, just because of how good that defense is and how excellent of a head coach that Kirby Smart is, I know nobody nobody has went back-to-back in the playoff era. I don't think any team is better suited to do it than Georgia. The honest, I'm serious. The only thing that can beat Georgia is Georgia. If they beat themselves, okay, Ohio State, Michigan, they have a shot. LSU in the SEC championship game, they have a shot. But, man, <laughs> this defense flies all over the field. I mean, every year, it's 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 an NFL factory of defensive players. How many they have last year? Like five? Five defensive players drafted in the NFL, I think. <sighs> Going to have even more next year. And this team's young, and it's it's scary. So Georgia at number one, there's absolutely nothing to change that, obviously. I still got Ohio State, too. They were in a little, little bit of a scary game. I watched this one start to finish. They played Maryland, and that listen, that baby went down to the wire. Um, Taila, I think is that how you say his name? Taila Tungavailoa, to his little brother, of course, played very well in that game, but they had a strip sack late, which obviously uh, helped them to uh, to win the game over Maryland. But a good one for Ohio State. They stay at number two. Again, there's no, no reason for me to put them uh, any lower than that. I've got the Michigan Wolverines, number three. They had a real scare against Illinois. Uh, really, I mean, just questionable. Decision-making down the stretch by both J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, who had a really rough afternoon. And my guy, I love him, but geez, Jim Harbaugh. Clock management, horrible. Almost cost you the game. Almost cost you possibly a playoff appearance should they lose to Ohio State and Columbus, which obviously that's the biggest game of the college football season this weekend. Definitely going to be looking forward to that. TCU's four. Again, it's hard for me to punish a team who's undefeated 11-0. Sonny Dykes has done a phenomenal job. Duggan, the quarterback has done a great job leading a game-winning drive once again, this time against the Baylor Bears on the road in Waco. Obviously, I was pulling for Baylor because at that point, my ball still had a shot. And to a certain degree, control their own destiny to get into the college football playoff. Those days have passed. Yeah, at least we'll get a good New Year's Six Bowl. But TCU number four, nothing to change that. LSU moves up a spot to five after Tennessee's loss. Uh, good win for them. Uh, again, be able to to with two losses. We we have yet to get a two loss team in the playoff, of course. But to put themselves in position as the number five team in the country to you know be in the SEC championship game, they very much control their own destiny. If TCU loses, number two or number three currently is without a question going to go down between Ohio State, and Michigan. 
So LSU controls their own destiny. Beat Texas A&M next week. Of course, they have to do that, which doesn't look terribly difficult the way A&M's playing. They're not even going to make a bowl game, which is incredible. Uh, one of the worst coaching jobs I've seen in my life by Jimbo Fisher. But LSU beats Georgia in the championship game, which I think is highly unlikely. But they do that, they're in. And USC. Now I'm scared, folks. I, I don't admit that a lot in this show, but I'm scared. First of all, props to Lincoln Riley. You guys know I love Lincoln Riley. I said he would make a instant impact at USC. Caleb Williams is, is, is oh my gosh, he's phenomenal. If, if the quarterback, if, if he was eligible for this year's NFL draft, he'd be the number one pick. I feel confident saying that. He'd be the number one pick over Stroud, Young, Hooker, Levis, anybody. He, he's a remarkable talent. He'll definitely be the number one pick in 2024 out of USC. He was phenomenal against UCLA. But I, I'll tell you why I'm scared. Because speaking of bets, I made a bet with, with Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. He's a big USC fan. And I said that while I think Lincoln Riley is going to change the program, and he is, of course, already doing that, I said they wouldn't make the college football playoff. They, they very well may, folks, control their own destiny because the chances of LSU beating Georgia aren't good. TCU could lose. Either Ohio State or Michigan will lose. You may have to hear New York Bryson again. And to those that don't get that reference, I caution you ahead of time, but you can go check one of Barry, Barry's podcasts back in January when I lost a Dak Prescott bet with him. I may have to come out with my 70-year-old Italian New York accent. Although, if USC doesn't make it, Barry will have to do a Southern accent, which I, I am all here to see. But last topic of the day, we got a big game tonight between the San Francisco 49ers uh, and the Arizona Cardinals tonight in uh, – oh, whoops, here we go. There's the music. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers tonight in Mexico City, Monday Night Football. Let's get the background music going now. All right, here we go. quote-unquote road game, although it's obviously a neutral site. Eight-point favorites are the Niners, who I said earlier is the best team in the NFC in my view. They're getting healthier, coming off of a bye. Uh, or I'm sorry, not coming off a bye. Coming off a big win against the LA Chargers at home, although Jimmy G wasn't all that impressive. They ran the ball well, did a good job defensively. As for the Cardinals, kind of a toss-up right now as to whether Kyler Murray will play. As it stands right now, I, be I believe it's kind of... It's up in the air. I don't know if he's going to play or not. See if we can get any Kyler Murray news. We don't have any as of right now. If he goes, you know, obviously that's a plus for the Cardinals. If he doesn't, Colt McCoy will be the guy. He's proven to be a really good backup. Won some games last year when Kyler went down. Won last week against the Rams when Kyler was out. So, but this is an elimination game for the Cardinals. They fall to 4-7, and seven, they're done. So, being in a position, desperation, I think that factors, at least for a little while, expect the Cardinals to get out to a, a hot start. But I am always going to bet on Kyle Shanahan before I do Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm certainly going to bet on the experience and the talent of the 49ers before I bet on the limited talent, but inexperience and the weird ability to fold late in close games. Again, I point that mostly back to the head coach and, and some on the quarterback. Um, I think it's close for a little bit. It is, it is a division game. It is a neutral site, but I will take the... San Francisco 49ers to win pretty convincingly 34 to 18 over the Arizona Cardinals, regardless if Kyler plays or not. Niners win this game, go to six and four. They win by a final score of 34 to 18 over the Arizona Cardinals. That's my prediction. I had a rough week. Rough week. 
predicting games. I don't know where I'm at right now. I'll track it after this game is over. I feel good about this one. I mean, you know, the Niners are eight-point favorites. I think they are the favorites to come out of the NFC as of right now. But, yeah, my predictions were not good by any stretch of the imagination. But all that matters at the end of the day, I'll say it one more time, is that my man, Rain Dakota Prescott, reigned over the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. And reminded people, hey, I'm still here. I'm still that guy. And don't you forget about it. All right, that's all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch the show on Wednesday, not Thursday. Thursday's Thanksgiving. Not going to do a Thanksgiving show. We're going to do a show on Wednesday, though. We'll talk about, obviously, tonight's game, maybe some NBA news, depending on what happens. Certainly, we'll discuss, and I'll predict all three Thanksgiving games. What you got? You got Lions-Bills. That's a fascinating matchup. The big one, Giants-Cowboys, and a play and a matchup between two playoff contenders, New England and Minnesota. New England coming off of an ugly win, and Vikings coming off an uglier loss. So very, very fascinating. A game between two teams who yesterday, their offense has scored three points. Don't expect a whole lot of points in that one. So, But a fascinating matchup nonetheless in, in Minneapolis, so be sure to check that out. Also, be sure to catch the Carving It Up, show, uh, Carving Up podcast on YouTube. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Help us out. Hit that big red subscribe button and the notification bell. Let us know, let you know whenever we upload any videos, any a shorts, which I uploaded last week of me wearing the cheese head. If you want to, uh, you know, enjoy that to, to whatever you want to enjoy it to. And then any show that we upload, which again, normally is Monday, Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Monday, Thursday, Friday. In this case, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because Thanksgiving's on Thursday. And I always do the show on Wednesday leading up to it. So be sure to check that out. Also, Catch Carving It Up on The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Network on YouTube. Again, like, share, comment, and most importantly, subscribe to The Grid Network. Uh, you can catch my show along with the All Even Podcast, Barry Grant Jr., the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, who, by the way, had themselves a blast yesterday. Uh, they were at the game in Minneapolis, and they're going to be at the game in Dallas on Thursday. Great show, great content. Uh, love those guys. They're doing a phenomenal job. Fastest growing Cowboys podcast on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to them and check their stuff out in the grid. Check out the Chaotic Sports Podcast, Patrick Brown. Hoping to get him on later this week to kind of give you all an, an introduction to him if you haven't met him already through his show. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk, and Alfred Parsar Jr. from the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. I know Ryan, I'm sorry, not Ryan. Um, Alfred is you know, probably down the dumps a little bit for the Jets losing, but don't worry. Better days are ahead for the Jets, hopefully at the quarterback position. But great content in the grid, great content here on Carving It Up. Please subscribe to both. And that is actually where you can listen to the Carving It Up podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Anchor. Uh, not Anchor, I'm so used to saying that. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. I forgot I forgot about the Anchor thing. I'm not an Anchor anymore, guys. Don't, don't listen to my show there anymore. Listen to me on the grid, though. That's where you can find the show. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all on Wednesday, not Thursday. Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Check it out. Have a great week, everybody. Please stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And don't forget about Randy Dakota Prescott now. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.